covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. I'm your host, Matt Pauley. I've got you for the next uh, hour or so. We'll see how long we end up going today as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. Let's start by getting uh, a few formalities out of the way. First and foremost, we record this podcast on Sunday evenings. So we try to keep the uh, information as uh, broad as possible that you can listen to it throughout the course of the week. But just so you know, the frame of reference as we come at you is uh, Sunday. And what happened on Sunday was the Brewers defeat the Rockies 8-4 as they took two out of three in that series. And they now head to uh, San Francisco for a three-game series before they wrap up the three-city, nine-game road trip with three more games in L.A. So that's the first thing. Second thing, if you ever want to get in contact with me, multiple ways for you to do so. Twitter's probably the best. We can keep a conversation going on Twitter as well. Just tweet at me, at Matt Pauley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. And uh, if you want to email me, you can do that as well, matt.pauley at wtmj.com. Also, uh, I should mention this because everybody who does a podcast uh, certainly mentions this. Uh, if you are uh, if you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, leave a review on iTunes. I guess that's good for people who search for it and things like that. But if you are somebody who listens to it maybe at WTMJ.com, clicks on the uh, Twitter post each week uh, that I put out, you can also, and there's nothing wrong with listening to it that way. If you like listening to it, uh, boom, that's fine. Do it that way. But if you do want to uh, subscribe and listen to it on a mobile device or something like that, we're available on iTunes. We're available on Stitcher. Subscribing is a good thing and uh, leaving reviews, assuming it's a good review, those are good things as well. I hope you would leave a good review for the podcast. Uh, here's what we've got going on in the program uh, this week in our social media conversation. One of our favorite, we actually have two of our favorites, and not that anybody that we ever have on the program is not our favorites. I enjoy all the guests we have on. But uh, this week, a couple of uh, folks that we've had on a number of times, uh, Jim Goulart from BrewerFan.net will join us as we'll get his take on all things Brewers baseball. Have a nice long conversation with him on the way in just a a few minutes. And uh, then when we go down on the farm, we will bring in the broadcaster for the Brewers uh, Midwest League single-A affiliate, the Wisconsin Timberlanders, Chris Maring, is going to be joining us on the program as well. So that's what's going to be coming up. And it's amazing. We're at the point of the year now where as we talk with these minor league broadcasters, we're talking with them for the final time in all likelihood during the active part of their season. We'll try to get them on again once their season comes to an end to kind of do a season recap, and then we'll see what the podcast looks like during the course of uh, the offseason. But it's our last uh, in-season conversation with Chris Maring, and that's going to be coming up here in just a little while as well. You know, when, when we spoke last week, the Brewers were just starting to come out of that lull that they were in. You know, they went on that road trip, and then uh, they they had the series against Minnesota, the split series where they end up getting swept in that four-game series. They end up having uh, the closed-door players-only meeting, and then they started winning again. 
And as they started to win again, that's when we were talking last week. Um, and they haven't played a whole lot of games since then. It was a week that featured a couple off days, which is something that's worked out well for the team. But since that Minnesota series, they took two out of three against Cincinnati. They sweep a two-game series from Pittsburgh, and they take two out of three against Colorado. So two things jump out at me. You know, sometimes you don't know what something is until it's well in the past. Because when we were sitting there from, from August 6th to August 11th, when they lost that last game at Tampa Bay, lost all four against Minnesota, and lost the first game against Cincinnati, for some people they thought that was the beginning of the end for this team that had overachieved all season. And that was something that was possible. There, there was a plausible scenario where... That was it for this club, that they just were not going to be able to keep doing what they had been doing throughout most of the season, and that they'd finally hit that proverbial wall and they were going to be done. But the other option in that was, that was just a lull, that in a 162-game season, you have highs and you have lows, and that was just a low, and they would get out of it. Quite honestly, we could, you know, sitting there after that game on August 11th against Cincinnati when they had lost their sixth straight game, we could have sat there and and spoken until we were blue in the face about whether or not that was something that was forecasting what the rest of the season would look like or whether they were going to be able to bounce out of it. But until you got a little bit more time past that point, you really couldn't answer that question. Well, since then, they have won six of their last seven games. So now we can look at that and say, okay, that was a lull. And whatever caused it, caused it. It's a 162-game season. You're going to go through periods like that. And they've gone through two periods like that since the All-Star break because they also lost six in a row when they were on that road trip uh, when they got swept uh, by Pittsburgh and then they went into Philadelphia and lost some games. So we've seen them go through a couple lulls, but they come out of it. And I think a lot of this has to do with the Neil Walker trade. I think I, I think going and getting Neil Walker put some, you know, the to use a cliche, and I don't love using cliches, but I'll use one here, there's some extra wind in the sails with the Neil Walker trade. But I think the Brewers have shown that they're in this thing. Does that mean they're going to win the division? I don't know. Does that mean they're going to win one of the wild cards? I don't know. Nobody knows. That's what's fun about sports. We don't know. And we get to watch and see how this whole thing plays out. But I can sit here and say with a fair amount of certainty that the month of September is going to feature the Brewers continuing to play meaningful games as they continue to try to make a run for the postseason. You'd love to see them win the division, but the wild card is in play now. And I think that specifically the wild card gets in play thanks in large part to what they did uh, over the last three days against the Colorado Rockies. Again, we record this on Sunday night. They take two out of three from Colorado. Colorado, a team that uh, has not been as good recently as they were early on. But you look at, you. let's look at the top four teams in the wild card race. The Rockies, last 10 games, three and seven. They've really fallen off. The Arizona Diamondbacks, last 10 games, 3-7. and seven. And then you have the Brewers, who are two and a half games out of that second wild card spot. They seem to be trending back in the right direction. 
six and four in their last ten. The St. Louis Cardinals, they lose on Sunday, but the Cardinals have been playing pretty okay baseball when you you know when you go all the way back for the last couple weeks or so. Uh, when you know they've lost, let's see, five of their last seven. But when you back it up a little bit more than that, they had an eight-game winning streak before they lost five of their last seven. So they have won 10 of their last 15, if I'm doing math correctly, which is always a crapshoot with me and math. But you get the idea. The teams from the National League Central that are in the wild card race, even if the Brewers can't catch the Cubs for the division, and I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying if the if there's a scenario where the Cubs really get going, you know, they've won three in a row as we talk on Sunday night. If 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 the Brewers and the Cardinals for that matter cannot catch the Cubs, that wild card is solidly in play for the Brewers and the Cardinals for that matter. You know, two months ago we gave both wild card spots to the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. And not that those teams are not going to win the wild card. They're still holding on to it right now. Those are two teams uh, that are very talented. Uh, the Diamondbacks have some injured players that are going to be coming back. That Rockies lineup is is really good. I probably Even though the Rockies are ahead of the Diamondbacks, I kind of believe in the Diamondbacks a little bit more because they're pitching, even though the Diamondbacks have been in more of a free fall than the Rockies have been in. But let's not completely discount the NL wild card. We'll talk more about this with Jim Goulart in just a, a few moments. Uh, this is a this is a season where there were zero expectations for the Brewers. Perfect world scenario, they win the division. They hunt the Cubs down, and that is still absolutely 100% a possibility. I'm not discounting that. But two, three weeks ago, it really seemed like the only route for the Brewers to make it in the postseason was getting that division title. Now, that's not the case. Now that wild card absolutely is in play. Again, this is Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We're powered by WTMJ Mobile. In about five minutes, we'll be joined by uh, Jim Goulart from BrewerFan.net. Later on in the program, we will be uh, joined uh, by Chris Maring, the broadcast voice of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. And as always, if you want to chime in on anything that we talk about in the program, you can do so by tweeting at me, at Matt Pauley Radio. Appreciate you being tuned in. This is Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. All right, so the past week, not overly eventful. Mentioned the schedule. You know, they sweep the two-game series from Pittsburgh, then they take two out of three from Colorado. They've won six of their last seven. Really, this past week with the two off days, it was a week that was used to set up the rotation all the way into September. They used those two off days Uh, They do not have to go with a fifth starter because of all the off days until September 2nd. So what the Brewers are choosing to do is go with a four-man rotation at least for a little while. Brandon Woodruff has been sent down. So at this point, you have Matt Garza, you have Zach Davies, you have Jimmy Nelson, and you have Chase Anderson. We'll talk more about Chase Anderson in just a moment. But those are your four guys, and the Brewers are going to stick with those four guys. What that does is it continues to allow them to carry uh, an extra position player. We see a roster that's featuring basically three second basemen in Jonathan VR, Neil Walker, and Eric Sogard. Admittedly, those guys can go play other positions, but we view those guys as second basemen, and they're going to be able to move forward with those guys on the roster. 
when the Neil Walker trade was made, the future of Eric Sogard on this roster that was talked about. Could he stick around? Well, he is going to uh, stick around. Chase Anderson looked pretty good in his first game back with the Brewers. And you didn't really know what to expect. And this happened on Sunday where Chase Anderson goes out there. He throws five innings. He gives up just one run on two hits. He was a little wild. Issued three walks, hit two batters, including uh, former Brewer Gerardo Parra, who was none too happy with uh, him getting hit. He he really uh, stared down Chase Anderson after that. But Anderson is back, and it was good to see how he pitched. He had to come back and pitch his first game at Colorado. That's not easy to do. Now, luckily, he did spend some time in the Diamondbacks organization, so he had a lot of experience pitching in Colorado, whatever that's worth. Uh, but... He was supposed to have three minor league rehab starts. They, they they were done with it after two, and he wasn't especially good in those minor league rehab starts, uh, but he was pretty good in that game against the Rockies on Sunday. He would have come back out for a sixth inning. He was sitting at 73 pitches, so he probably had one more inning in him. Uh, I don't think they wanted to have him throw much more than 80, 85 pitches, uh, but there was a run-scoring opportunity when his spot in the order came up in the sixth inning. They pinch hit for him, and they drive in a run because of it, so it ends up being a good decision as they hold on to be able to get the win. But if Chase Anderson can return to what he was doing there uh, before he got injured, that is a huge boost boost for this team and for this rotation. He's 7 and 2 with a 2.83 ERA after that game on Sunday. Brandon Woodruff will be back once they hit September. He'll uh, pitch regularly in Colorado Springs. You still have Brent Suter who uh, will come back. And, and don't forget about Junior Guerra. Guerra pitched pretty well on Sunday for Colorado Springs, picking up a win. So he could still be a factor uh, on this team as well as as they move forward. But right now, just four starting pitchers. Uh, from a active roster standpoint, in addition to sending Brandon Woodruff down and activating Chase Anderson, also this week they activate uh, catcher Stephen Vogt. Susak, uh, Andrew Susak goes back to the disabled list as he's injured. Uh, you like having Stephen Vogt around. He proved the when he first was acquired that he absolutely has the ability and opportunity to help this team win games. So the health continues to be a bit of a boom for this Brewers team. And Jet Bandy is close to returning. Sunday morning, according to uh, Adam McAlvey, he uh, did play some catch, uh, might start hitting later on the current road trip, would go on a rehab assignment after that, and he could be back for September as well. No word on when Susak will be back, but there's a scenario where the Brewers have four catchers on the roster during the month of September. And they're going to get pitchers back. You know, they'll get Brett Phillips. We'll see what happens with Lewis Brinson late into the September if he gets healthy enough to come back. But the September call-ups, are, it's not going to be these guys with very little experience getting called up to the Brewers roster. It's going to be guys who have contributed during the course of the year who just a numbers crunch knocked them down. Now, a name to watch, and I don't know what's going to happen here, but the Brewers uh, sign out of independent ball this week, Quentin Barry. And Barry is known for his speed. He's at AAA Colorado Springs. He's got a long track record uh, in professional baseball. There's a chance that just with Lewis Brinson getting injured and the Sky Sox trying to make a run for the playoffs, that Quentin Barry was more than anything just brought in to help that team. But there is also a chance that if they can find a 40-man roster spot for him, he has incredible speed. 
he could be a factor on the Brewers' Major League roster in the month of September as a pinch hitter extraordinaire. We'll see. I I don't completely know what they're going to do with him. Uh, There is that possibility that he comes in and they uh, give him a 40-man spot for September and he's somebody that can uh, be used just on the bases more than anything else. One last thing to get to, and I I don't want to hit on this too terribly hard. This was talked a lot about on social media, about the decision to go with Matt Garza over Brandon uh, Woodruff in the rotation while they go down to four guys. Matt Garza's not the uh, the favorite player of, it seems like, most people who are talking about the Brewers on Twitter and social media. And I watch that to see. I, I try to kind of gauge what uh, a majority of Brewers fans are thinking by the, the things that are being said on Twitter. And I know Twitter doesn't always represent the fan base. There's a lot of people who are not on Twitter. Uh, but it's a good way to look. People would love to have, you know, Garza's given up eight runs in two of his last three starts, and Brandon Woodruff has been better than that. I'd say this. Garza's the one veteran. Garza has leadership on this team, and prior to his last three starts, Garza had a 3.68 ERA, and according to Adam McAlvey's numbers from uh, MLB.com, in his six starts before the last three, his ERA was down at 2.45. This isn't a guy to walk away from. Now, if we're doing the podcast next week, especially if we're doing the podcast two weeks from now, and Garza's struggles have continued, then it's a different conversation. But you're you're not going to send this guy away based off three bad starts. And if you view him as your number five starter, even when you got a four-man rotation, if you kind of view him through as kind of a number five starter kind of guy, if he can, all I want out of him is five innings and three or four runs or so, and I'm good with that. Be that veteran guy in the clubhouse. Go give you you know five or so innings. If you get more than that, cool, groovy, bonus. Uh, but g- give that, and I think Garza is somebody who you can uh, continue to rely on. But he's got to be better than he's been recently, especially two of those last three starts where he really struggled. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X Journeys, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for our social media conversation. We're bringing on one of my favorite people to uh, talk to. He is uh, Jim Goulart. You can read him over at uh, brewerfan.net. He does the link report. He's all over the minor league stuff over there, and he joins us right now. Jim, appreciate your time. How are you doing this evening? Thank you, Matt. Doing just fine. Appreciate it. The the Brewers take two out of three from Colorado. They lost that first game, and you're always worried about how these West Coast road trips are going to go, and obviously they still need to perform in San Francisco and L.A. to have a successful road trip. But is it almost a relief that they were able to at least start it by taking two out of three against Colorado? Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, we I think we touched base uh, on Saturday morning to help coordinate this little chat, and, and we t- talked about how the – next 36 hours would kind of shape the conversation a little bit for this podcast and sure enough it has to be a relief for them um two and one momentum um they've actually won six of eight since that uh, team meeting the players had six of seven overall it's hard to argue with six and seven um i think that the uh the sense of that minnesota series the 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 home and home four games where they, they basically didn't compete at all 
left us all so drained and discouraged. So they needed this in a big way, and uh, nice, nice wins on Saturday and Sunday for sure. Do, I know all of it goes into the pot, and it all kind of contributes, but as you look at them being able to turn things around, was it was it the team meeting? Was it them being able to focus on having fun? Was it just the natural ebbs and flows of the season? Was it the, the getting Neil Walker to walk through that door and get a oh little boost from that? Like, <laughs> what, what leads to them being able to have such a 180-degree turn? Maybe they don't know any better. I'm not <laughs> sure about this group with um, – you know, such a varied but mostly young experience level. Um, I think what contributed a lot was the Cincinnati pitching staff, despite the the wild loss and that high-scoring affair Friday night. Um, it certainly just helped to get some, some balls squared up and to get the guys feeling good about circling the bases a little bit again, and that followed through with the, the subsequent games there. And um, it's continued since, and um, it just seems like they're playing smart, um, base running is really, they just showed how athletic they were the last couple of days. Um, I sampled a little bit of the Colorado broadcast um, today, bouncing back and forth between that and, and the crew uh, guys. And, um, yeah, they were just all over the fact that this is a power-laden but also speed-laden bunch. And uh, when they're putting the ball in play, it's it's such a difference. And it looks like, um, I think, led by Keon Broxton, who we can talk about a little bit more in depth, coming up that uh when these guys don't get trapped in those games where they're striking out 14 and 15 times um they can be devastating on offense in my opinion i feel like not only is this a good series to get things started on a west coast road trip but the brewers also kind of made a a small statement saying they're in it for the wild card as well does taking two out of three from colorado do you feel like that puts them solidly in the wild card race too i do too but I, i hope it doesn't take their eye off the prize. Um, I know for your for your listeners, we're, we're taping this as of Sunday evening, and the Blue Jays didn't do any didn't do Brewer fans any favors this weekend. Um, Saturday's um, Cubs game, I peeked in a little bit, and the you know, Cubs four to three win. The final two runs for them scored individually on a uh, seeing eye grounder up the middle and a little pop up that just extended over the infield. And then, of course, some um, Brewer fans may be aware of the big Cubs rally today, but I hope that doesn't take their eyes off of the prize. In the NL Central, I was just glancing at the schedule a little bit. It's very even-handed in terms of um, the Brewers down the stretch. They'll play each of their four division opponents, um, two series each, and um, you know it's just really going to come down, I think, a lot to, uh, well, it comes down to every game, I guess, right now, um, but we, we get the heightened uh, the heightened anxiety about every game, but what is it, 37, 36 games still remaining? Um, there's time to slip just a bit and recover, but um, to keep the pressure on, it's nice. Listen, as far as your question about the wild card, I apologize. We'll get back to that. Um, yes, it's important. I asked the Pittsburgh Pirate fans about you know celebrating wild card qualifications and then um, you know losing one game playoffs, whether it's at home or on the road. It's just something big about having an NL Central banner hanging up uh, for my next eventual visit to Miller Park as opposed to a a wild card qualifier, you know, as far as that goes. Um, Just to guarantee yourself a chance in a five-game series by winning the division, winning the division in a year where nobody 
nobody saw this coming. Um, yes, the wild card is squarely right there, but I know I'll be focused on the division race for sure. And uh, yes, you take the wild card alongside with it, but uh, let's go NL Central division champs. And I don't disagree with what you're saying. Obviously, a division title is the prize that you're looking at right now. But to your point about this being a year where there are very little expectations, it'd be a pretty major accomplishment to get that wild card as well. I don't want to poo-poo the wild card too much. Absolutely not. Um, the wild card, you would imagine, not a guarantee, but it would be against one or the other of the Diamondbacks or Rockies. I don't think the Rockies have a grand ace that they could trot out that would scare the Brewers. I think the Brewers have handled Mr. Greinke fairly well in the past. He, I imagine he would be the Diamondbacks' choice. And then, of course, if you win the wild card, you immediately match up with the uh, with the L.A. Dodgers. I'm looking forward to that series next weekend. Um, the Nationals would be tough as well in an opening series. So you, who knows if you take on the Nationals and do well? And isn't it wonderful that we're even having this you know <laughs> dreamlike conversation? Um, who knows if a wild card winner could do the unthinkable and upstage the Dodgers, and you don't face the Dodgers at all on your way to a uh, on your way to a championship season, which. Um, we might as well write the uh, the entire script if we're going to do that. Um, I, I, it would be great to see some type of postseason qualifier, especially at home. We all have those images from 2008 in our minds um, of qualifying for the postseason, and of course 2011 was wonderful as well. So yeah, let's just get back to postseason baseball. Um, but the wild card, of course, has changed since 2008 as well with the format. So. Again, uh, beat the Cubs or bust. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Aguilar has the pinch hit home run in Game 2 against the Rockies. He has the, the two home runs in Game 3. I mean, this here's a guy who is another one of those waiver wire kind of pickups, and he has contributed directly to a number of wins. And who, you know, without him, they probably don't take two out of three against the Rockies. I mean, this is a, well, this is a great story of what Aguilar has been able to contribute to this team this year. It's an awesome story, and thank goodness he had the spring training that he did because he wasn't going to make this team otherwise. He forced the hand of the Brewers in spring training. If, if he hits 225 in spring training with one or two home runs, um, they're not going to find a spot for him with his positional inflexibility, if you will. So thank goodness he did. What a great story. Um, it, it's just, is he getting bigger? Is it just me, or is he getting bigger as the season goes on? <laughs> He's just a mountain of a man, and maybe I didn't realize it so much in April and May, but um, he's just a, a, a beast of a man, and uh, yeah, when he gets a hold of one, it's a sight to behold. Kudos, Brewers, uh, scouting staff, um, Indians maybe kicking themselves a little bit, uh, but what a... What a ticket they have now in terms of, uh, isn't it amazing, Matt, that the focus of this season still remains so much squarely on the next 30-so games as opposed to talking about plans for 2018, yet we can still kind of picture those plans in terms of, uh, you know, will they just carry Jesus Aguiar again as opposed to maybe selling high to him on an to an AL team as a DH, that type of thing, the whole key on Broxton discussion with the young outfielders in play. But that stuff has to take a back seat right now while we enjoy this, this amazing 
run um, that we've we've had for since really what the third week of April. Continuing our conversation with uh, BrewerFan.net's Jim Goulart. Jim, uh, Neil Walker, you, I, I said his name earlier, and you, you, you started to go talk about him. And let's, <laughs> let's get to him now. I mean, this guy, uh, he's, they, they needed a, a boost. Uh, they, they could use a little veteran presence in the clubhouse. Uh, they needed somebody who could drive in runs. They needed to do something about the black hole at second base. I mean, talk about one guy who can check off a lot of boxes in terms of needs for this team. Yeah, and um, I think that he was just the perfect fit at the perfect time. Um, I know there was the Ian Kinsler talk, um, talk of other, you know, the uh, – Oh my goodness! He's in Atlanta now, but the long, Brandon Phillips, Phillips that yeah. type of thing. There were other names that were tossed about, but the move kind of came. I don't want to say out of nowhere, but I don't think it was as high on the radar as, as people thought. And then all of a sudden, it happened. It was like okay, and he does the thing where he, you know, drives to New York, picks up his stuff, makes sure he's there for the first game where he's playing for Travis Shaw. Within like two innings, he makes this great charging play from third base where he's played, you know, a limited number of time in his in his career. And then in a pinch-hitting role, uh, today comes up right-handed yet and gets the job done in a really big spot. Just so professional. Um, you know, Stephen Volk can't be overlooked now with his return. And I think where maybe Volk brings the professionalism and a little bit more of that energy, I think that Walker comes in and he brings in the focus and the, the calmness of the nerves that the guys might need. Um, they always say... That these guys, the, the the good ones, lead by example, maybe more than by word. I think that uh, Walker will be maybe a little brawn-like in that regard. Um, I don't think he's going to be the guy that's uh, building people up in a, in a large locker room setting. But I bet you, on in one-on-one settings, um, he's doing just that. And now all of a sudden, you look at J- Jonathan Villar is playing well. Yes, I said it. Yeah, and. Um, and, and by the way, that changes everything for 2018. I think the Brewers will still focus on him being a big part of next year's team, especially if this surge continues. But now all of a sudden with Walker and Sogard on the bench, and they're going with a 12-man bullpen, which they only have to worry excuse me, a 12-man staff, they only have to worry about that for another seven or eight games because then September 1st they can load up as much as they want. So right now it is a deep position player um, club heading into the rest of this road trip. So important, for, I think, for these next six games out west and then coming home to face uh, St. Louis and Washington. So they make an interesting decision because when they activate Chase Anderson from the disabled list, they send Brandon Woodruff down. And what that means is they're going to go with a four-man rotation, and they're able to do that because of the off days. A lot of teams at this time of the year want to use those off days to give starting pitchers an extra day of rest here and there just to keep them fresh. The Brewers are going the other way where everybody's got to pitch on normal rest and you're going to go with four men until September. I know it's a very short amount of time between now and rosters expanding when it can go to maybe a five or a six or they want to put Guerra back in there, could go to a Mm seven-man rotation. But for this period between now and September, do you like them going with the four-man rotation? I do because I... I like the way they lined it up. They did the juggling that all these off days allowed them to do that um, this past week when they had the, the Monday-Thursday off. So basically, 
you know, they're going to pit, I don't want to say Matt Garza was a sacrificial lamb in that first game in Colorado, but, you know, they knew they were going to have to score some runs to win that game. But now you line up Garza by pitching the first game in Colorado to pitch the final game in San Francisco, big ballpark. If he does his job, great. He doesn't have to face the mighty Dodgers. And then you've got Zach Davies, Jimmy Nelson. Um, you know, they're lined up to face both those teams out west. So they're the two guys you want to ride right now. And Chase looked great today. Um, Woodruff's been awesome. I think I ruffled, I don't want to say I started a little uh, Twitter blaze this morning, or so, but I did mention that I think for most fans, they would have taken Woodruff over Garza during this four-game this four game rotation stretch. I wasn't saying that they should or shouldn't. I just kind of put that out there. And um, we saw some, I don't want to say silly things, but, you know, Matt, and I think, um, was it Mr. McAlvey brought some sanity to things, too, just yep. by saying, look, um, Matt's pitched well. He hasn't pitched well in two out of the last three starts. It will be disappointing, of course, if he throws a couple of more clunkers out there. Um, actually, it'll only be one more because he's only going to pitch in San Francisco as far as this road trip goes. And then I guess he'll be the first one lined up against St. Louis back home. I think we all know what we're going to get right now. If we get five and one-third, five and two-thirds out of Matt Garza with you know two, three runs allowed, people are going to take it, and let's hope he can get back to that. The September call-ups this year could be interesting because you could have four catchers. If Susak gets healthy and, and Bandy gets healthy, you could have four catchers on the roster. You would assume Brett Phillips is going to come back. Obviously, the pitchers are going to get back. It's you know Sometimes there's September call-up scenarios where guys are getting that, that first kind of opportunity. It seems like this year, with as many guys as the Brewers have used this year, there's going to be an opportunity to bring up a ton of guys who have already had some level of success at the big league level. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that um, in pa- Doug Melvin had always lobbied MLB to limit the number of call-ups that teams had. They felt it was partly a budgetary issue, that teams abused it, and that games, the most critical games of the year, were, were being decided on a completely different level than the first you know, 130 games of the year. So in this scenario now, Brewers, the, the, the script has turned a little bit, and now we're looking at having to really increase the flexibility for a pennant contender, which changes the dynamic quite a bit. If you look at the 40-man roster, um, they shouldn't have any problem with mop-up innings. You know, if you want, they want to bring back Apollo Espino or reward Taylor Youngman, who's pitched well. Uh, Junior Guerra, watch out, um, just today, he threw, um, you know, only walked one, in I think it was five and a third innings, and um, you know he struck out five in, in that sense, only two hits allowed, uh, no runs, so that probably opened some eyes. So they're going to be fine as far as that goes. Um, they'll get their backup middle infielder, which maybe not even with uh, Yadiel Rivera because they've kind of got an overflow of, of middle infielders right now. Um, beyond that. I'm not just so it's kind of odd that they the two catchers are both kind of injured right now. They may not have a third catcher as of September 1st depending on Bandy and Susack's health. Um 
but I don't, except for Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips could be a real key piece off the bench. It's interesting names, but nothing that I think is going to break the bank in terms of uh, real difference. I think the guys who are going to make the real difference are already on the 25-man. We saw, though, last year, and I, you know, it's last year when they, and it gets a different scenario because they weren't contending for anything, but my goodness, last year when they got the 40-man roster, uh, the September call-ups, Craig Council used a lot of pitchers, it seemed like, almost every single game. Yep, and that's going to happen. There's going to be some, ex- you know, some. There's going to be situations where um, hopefully they're up big and they can save some starter innings for the the next start. And um, of course, the the mixing and matching and in the late innings, uh, you know, Mr. Manfred will, will appreciate even more, you know, <laughs> three and a half to four hour games, I guess, in September. But that's what it's going to be. And these divisional matchups are just going to be. Crazy. I mean, the, ne- the the next to last weekend of the season, the Cubs are at Miller Park for four games. And talk about electric, and let's put the NFL on hold for just a bit. Um, if it comes down, and let's hope it does, if it comes down to that next to last weekend with the Cubs in town for four games, um, my goodness, what, what a treat we've been given in, in 2017, really now. I got to tell you this, Jim. When when the Cubs are here and I'm driving to the ballpark and I'm around the ballpark, I get cut off an average of two to four times every <laughs> single day by people with Illinois license plates. It's very annoying. Um, I know it must be, um, but um, they'll be in force again. And um, I just think that if they haven't already sold those tickets, the the, the Brewer season ticket holders and others who probably pay for a good portion of their season-long plans uh, by you know, dropping off a few Cubs games during the course of the year. I, I think there'll be a, a little, little better Brewer-represented contingent for those games. And, I, you know, from somebody who only gets out there, um, if lucky, once a year, um, coming across on TV, you hear those Brewer fans in those Cub games. I don't know if they're playing a little games with the mic sounds or what, <laughs> but um, I, I realize that it, it's, it's difficult for those that are in the ballpark, but um, I don't think it comes across quite as bad uh, on the TV screen that, uh, that it may be within the confines itself. Uh, I'll tell you this, I'm not trying to take shot at Cubs fans, because when I do that, I, I do it very directly, but uh, <laughs> when... I hear from Brewers fans who, when they go to Cubs games at Wrigley Field, that the Cubs fans who are at Wrigley Field are, for the most part, very nice, very accommodating. It's a it's a fun atmosphere. And I hear from those same people that, for whatever reason, a, a high percentage of the Cubs fans that walk into Miller Park are very obnoxious and tough to be around, and I see it. I don't know what I don't know what it is that uh, it seems to be a different type of Cubs fan who goes to games at Wrigley and games who go to go to games at Miller Park. I just I hear it over and over and over from Brewers fans that these Cubs fans who walk into Miller Park make it a very uncomfortable and, and not so much a family environment. Yeah, that that's that's tough to hear. Um, I guess they're playing the the friendly host at home and the obnoxious entitled guest, you know, or that's that's taking over the homestead when when they're on the road. Um, as a native New Englander, as if the accent isn't already telling your guests, um, I can't quite speak to the uh, the Midwest mentality either way on that. But um, it it is what it is at this moment. 
we know that um, next year's season tickets and other tickets will get a big boost based off of the performance of the team this year. And let's see if they can lessen that uh, lessen that situation in 2018. Before we let you go, I want to get into the minor leagues for just a just a quick second because you sure. follow them uh, so much on an everyday basis. How impressed have you been with Kesson Hira? Oh my goodness, um, absolutely. Um, it was a little disconcerting to see that after one ball game in the field at second base in which he had no chances that the hamstring got aggravated somehow. I don't know if that's related or not, but um, I'm excited about this draft pick. Brewer fans should be. The consensus among scouts that have seen him and have released their quotes, you know, both both pre-draft, of course, but mostly post-draft, is that um, just the ball sounds so different. And the kind of things that you heard about, uh, I hate to put even this type of pressure on a youngster, but uh, the, the Ryan Braun type comments where the best hitter in the draft, ball sounds different, everything's a line drive. Um, I believe that um, I'm comboing with, with Chris Merring on your, on your podcast mm-hmm. tonight. I'm sure he had some amazing things to, to say. He seems to carry himself very well. So, um, yes, real excited about this. But how about, you know, Tristan Lutz as part of this draft, too, um, an 18-year-old. Um, I, I gave him the nickname Central Casting because he's this, you know, six foot three uh, Texan uh, with just this power swing, athletic, and uh, already tore up both Maryvale and Helena. So another piece to be excited about going forward. And what did David Stearns always say? Wave after wave. Um, if we can get excited about players each and every time. And how about that 2014 draft that in some ways was written off and the threesome of, you know, Cody Medeiros, Jake Gatewood, and Monty Harrison have all made strides this year, ranging from um, really nice to super impressive. So um, you just don't write off things too quickly and don't get too excited too quickly. But when you kicked off the conversation with Mr. Hura, um, yeah, that one that one looks look that one looks really good right now. And just from a big picture perspective, uh, teams looking to get into the postseason. I mean, a, a bunch of them, and it starts with Triple A Colorado Springs. It's been very good. Biloxi is fighting. Carolina's had a good year. I know it's been down year uh, for uh, for for the Timber Rattlers, but we're again seeing not just individual success, but a lot of team success throughout the minor league system as well. I think my favorite person in, in the Brewers organization, and um, some, every once in a while somebody in Milwaukee pulls him in for an interview, is um, Sky Sox manager Rick Sweet. He's and fantastic. One of, the, yeah. one of the things we do at Brewer Fan that I'm a big advocate of is, you know, the, the little game summaries are great, the articles are great, but I think when fans invest, um, you know, the seven or eight minutes to listen to some of the pregame conversations that, that we post and, and the affiliates are kind enough to uh, post online now. Um, and Rick Sweet is always worth the price of admission. And he, one of the more fascinating conversations that I've heard this year at any point during the year was he talked about um, the AAA playoffs and the dynamic of that, that here's this team that's been you know, grinding all year and, and Colorado Springs hasn't seen the playoffs in 20 years, so their fan base is energized. And what's going to happen on September 1st is the team will get carved up. And then if 
Biloxi qualifies for their postseason. They're not exactly going to be able to pull up a lot of shuckers. And, and Sweet even talked about, well, uh, organizations will scout like the Mexican leagues this time of year or, and, and make in, additional independent ball signings. It was a fascinating take on minor league baseball and, and how it truly is a feeder system above all else for the big leagues. But there was a lot of um, truth and um, sincerity in his his take on that and um uh, rick, rick sweet's just the best I, I hope he's I hope he's part of the brewer organization for i know he's, he's an older vet but i i hope he's around for quite a while still what what a, what a great triple a mentor for those guys down there yeah and i i mention this all the time on here so i'm guessing most people know this i, I spent uh I, I spent six years working in colorado springs my last year was the first year of the brewers affiliation and that's when rick sweet was brought in so i got to work a year with rick sweet and uh, I've worked with a with a good number of minor league managers in my ten total years of minor league baseball broadcasting experience. I got to tell you, Jim, Rick, Rick was the best. He he was so fun to work with, and like you said, he would talk about stuff that you generally didn't hear uh, minor league managers talk about. Yeah, um, and it's great. And um, you know, Matt Erickson is awesome down in, in, and of course, Chris Merring does a great job of of getting his. Um, you know, Matt on air quite a bit, and we get those insights with the younger kids. But I, I just get such a kick out of the AAA level because you hear the, the stories about the, the unhappy clubhouses, and, and it, it looks like Sweet is really, um, and the Brewers, let's give, you know, from Stearns all the way down, the coaching staff and everybody, the development guys, um, a really great environment there. I'm glad that the fans in the Springs for the diehards out there are getting rewarded this year. Um, but I'm also preparing them for the fact that uh, the postseason club might look a little different than what they've been seeing all along. Yeah, absolutely. And the Brewers have made it clear. I saw comments this past week that they're going to respect the playoff pushes, but the needs of the big league team will always come in front of that. Absolutely. So, yeah, and, and what, it was, that's not always the case. So, uh, yeah, again, that's another aspect of this treat we're getting in 2017. I honestly don't know. If the Brewers had lost both games this weekend, how different our conversation would have been tonight. That's how critical these two wins were. There have been a lot of happy flights for the Brewers this year. Their Sunday record is strong. Their their final game of a series is strong. Um, They're back to having fun. Where did that go, Matt, for for three weeks? Where was the water in the face and and the the gauntlet? It was, oh, my goodness, the, the fans... They just um, gave us all quite a scare there, and, and they're ma- they've made it a lot tougher than it could have been, I guess, to say. Um, that Pittsburgh series was one thing with the close losses and the 2-8 and eight road trip, but I, it, you would have been hard-pressed to find many folks excited after that Minnesota four-game debacle. And, um, you know, it's 6-7 it, of seven is, um, is 6-7, of seven, and the San Francisco team – um, can be had. Now, all of a sudden, if you take two out of three in San Francisco, you've got um, a four and two. And if you can just sneak one game out of L.A., the Tigers beat them today. They're not invincible. Um, then all of a sudden, you've got a winning road trip. And I think a lot of folks would have signed on the dotted line for a five and four um, road trip. They got a chance to be better than that. Chance to be worse too, of course. But um, you know, this San Francisco team. Uh, let's. You know, I say let's. 
you know, I always cringe when <laughs> announcers and others do that. Um, but in this way, sure, let's get two out of three um, from the Giants and uh, and see what the big bad big bad Dodgers can do. And remember that series when the Dodgers were in town. Uh, every single one of those games was played tough with uh, with the crew. So maybe they match up a little better than uh, than we think. All right, before we get you out of here, give me a plug for what you guys got going on over at uh, BrewerFan.net. You know, it happens every year. I have to admit that myself and the small band of merry men that uh, that provide those minor league updates, basically just by collecting and posting all we do, we hit the, the wall as well, I think, sometimes. Um, it does get uh, a little more difficult, but we, uh, we, we're pulling through. Um, we're rooting for these teams down the stretch. Brewer fan, in addition to our, our minor league link report, um, let's not forget about our other forums, and particularly at this time of year, the Major League Forum, where just all kinds of threads where people can jump in and look for um, intelligent and hopefully respectful conversation, passionate, of course, um, from the and as often in fan forum cases, maybe sometimes too high, maybe sometimes too low, but uh, you're going to find passionate uh, reading without any trolls, nonsense, bad language, things like that. So we've prided ourselves on that for many years and uh, looking forward to continue it. Don't forget about the Minor League Forum. We'll take you right through. Hopefully it'll be some nice uh, postseason action for those guys too. All right, Jim, great stuff. Uh, do want to remind folks uh, on Twitter, uh, they can uh, they can follow you at Mass underscore Haas. That's M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. Jim, always thank you for your time, and hopefully the next time we're talking, we're talking uh, some form of uh, Brewers playoffs. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. Take care. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue on as we go down on the farm. Time to uh, bring on uh, one of my favorite people that we talked to uh, on the program. That is the voice of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, Chris Maring. Chris, always appreciate your time. How are you doing today? Doing great, Matt. Thanks for the time today. You bet. Uh, let's start with uh, a guy that uh, everybody's talking about, and that's Keston Hira. He gets to Wisconsin. He uh, makes a, a big impact early on. I know he's been a little bit banged up, but uh, what are your initial uh, thoughts on what you've seen so far from Keston Hira? The kid can hit. Uh, it's amazing. He uh, he hits the ball hard with authority, um, just consistently makes contact. Um, he hasn't hit a home run yet, but that's not um, – I don't think that's anything to worry about because he's got the gap power. He's been hitting the ball – extremely well he did finally get to play second base in a game the other day in Beloit and uh, unfortunately he did not have a single ball hit to him at second base which is <laughs> weird for a nine inning game but uh, didn't have it didn't have a chance didn't have a throw or anything like that but uh, I think uh, I think as people see him uh, they will definitely understand why he was taken in in the first round with the ninth overall pick is there any reason to be concerned about the hamstring injury or is it just a mild deal it sounds like it's just mild. It just needs some time. Uh, the the uh, the term I heard was it's just tender and it's uh, just it should be uh, hopefully less than a week. And he went on uh, he went on on uh, Friday and it was retroactive to Wednesday. So I mean he is eligible to come off on Wednesday. 
uh, this week, and we'll see how it goes. What's this process been like for him, where he plays his college season being a DH, and then he joins the Brewers, and he's a you know he's a DH for the first month, month and a half, however long it is, before he finally gets that game in the field. Have you talked to him much about what that was like for him to go so long without playing in the field? Well, uh, in talking with him, he could not wait to get into the field. I mean, he just he understood that you know the way things are with his with his injury. Um, he he couldn't really play the field. They didn't want to to risk it. Um, the, the, everybody just took a look at it and said, "Hey, you can play, but we're going to build you up and eventually get you into the field." Um, and and he says he he wants to be uh, in the field. He doesn't just want to be a DH. He wants to be a complete ball player and. And from what I've seen, uh, just uh, just watching him take a few ground balls during uh, you know during warmups and things like that, uh, I think he is well on his way to that. Every time we talk, we talk about uh, uh, Mario Feliciano, and uh, you look at his numbers recently from a hitting standpoint in his last nine games, hitting three thirty three. You back that out a little bit more. Uh, look at his month of August; he's at two eighty one. Has something? You know, we've talked about how good he is behind the plate, and you know him being such a young catcher, and, and how impressive that is in the Midwest League. Has something clicked in with him offensively? Um, I, I think he's just been so consistent all year. I mean, he's he's had two ten-game hitting streaks. He was on a seven-game hitting streak that just got ended uh, today. Um, he has been he hasn't been catching every game uh, either. Uh, Nathan Rodriguez kind of caught a few games uh, to give him a break, but uh, he, he DH today with Mitch Gelfi getting the start behind the plate. Um, I just think he has, uh, you know, he, he's kind of broken through any kind of wall that, you know, most young players get when they hit to about 100 games. And um, he has just learned how to deal with that. And uh, he's just such a, he's such a, a good kid and a good player. I think there's a there's a really nice future for him. You mentioned Mitch Gelfi. Here he is five games into his uh, time with the team, hitting three thirteen. I mean, this is a pretty good catching tandem to have. What's uh, jumped out at you about Gelfi so far? Well, Mitch. Uh, I mean, Mitch. Last year, he had a he had a seventeen. He had a fourteen game hitting streak before he got pro, pro, promoted up to Brevard County, and then he was in Carolina to start this year and uh, needed thumb surgery. So he was down in Arizona rehabbing. Uh, we had an opening when uh, Nathan Rodriguez went on the DL. So I think Mitch is just here to try to get back his swing and get back uh, into game shape, as it were. But uh, man, he is he, he's got, he's got some talent uh, with the bat. Um, the the catching and he's also played some first base and DH. The those will come along as well for him. So I, I think it's a it's only a matter of time. Maybe he just kind of wraps up the season here. I don't know what the plan is. I know uh, Nate Rodriguez is really looking forward to getting back in the on the active roster too. So um, it, it's a nice problem to have with uh, with a lot of different options to catch right now. We've seen some promotions from the Timberellers guys going up to uh, Carolina as the year is going along. Obviously, that happens to every team every year. I'm not breaking any news, but how. How has that affected uh, some of the guys you've lost? How has that affected the team this year? Well, I, I'll tell you, we'd be a different team if we had Monte Harrison all season. But <laughs> uh, Monte Harrison being in Carolina—that's where he needs to be because he was definitely better than this league. And it's the same thing with Zach Brown. Zach Brown uh, had an outstanding uh, second half of the season, and just looking at his starts down in Carolina, you can see that he belongs at that at that a, at that high A level right now because he's. Uh, I think he's like two and zero, and his ERA is right around two, or maybe even under that right now for the Mudcats. So, I mean, promotions are part of the game at the minor league level, 
and uh, we understand that. And we also understand that the Brewers have some guys coming up uh, through the draft. I mean, we've picked up uh, Dallas Carroll from this year's draft, uh, ninth round pick out of uh, Utah. He's filled in nicely at third base. And Zach Clark has come in, and he was a 19th round pick uh, from junior college last year. Uh, he's come up. Both were hitting very well at Helena, and both have uh, filled in very nicely with the Rattlers this year. Plus, I mean, we got Chase Williams back from last year's draft. He's been on the rehab. He came up, and uh, we've got uh, we've got 14 active pitchers right now. So there's, there's you know, there wasn't really room for for Zach to be here anymore either. He would, and it was time for him to go. Drake Owenby is putting up huge numbers in his uh, eight appearances so far. 2.22 ERA. Here's a left-hander who's uh, having a lot of success. Can you talk to me about him a little bit? Yeah, Drake got hurt last year, and he missed almost a full year with an injury. So he has been kind of on limited duty. Um, you know, he's, he hasn't been fully stretched out until like his last couple of starts because he was down in uh, he was down in Arizona rehabbing, and uh, there was an opening for the Rattlers. So he uh, he just came up, and I'll tell you, Drake, uh, he's he's he knows what he's doing. He's a left-hander. He's got some movement, and uh, he's he is just he was so good last year, right before he got hurt, and. I, I, you know, I'm I'm happy that he's here with us too. But uh, you know, he probably, um, without the injury, probably never would have come back to Wisconsin this year. So he's going to keep moving up, and, and it just shows how much depth the Brewers have at at pitching at this level. We're talking with Chris Marion, the broadcaster for the Wisconsin Timberwolves, another pitcher, Josh Pennington. In the month of August, he's got a 2.04 ERA in his four games, uh, four runs on ten hits in, in 17 and two thirds innings. What have you seen from this guy as the season's gone on? Because it seems like his numbers have gotten better as the season's gone along. Yeah, he had a nine strikeout uh, game, which was the most he had ever struck out in a single game as a pro. He did that in five innings at Beloit. Uh, he gave up one hit in that game, with which was like a or he gave up one hit in the game when it was just a solo home run. Um, he uh, he too was coming off of some injuries, so he was kind of limited in uh, in his innings and his pitch count. But he has built himself up. Um, his velocity is, you know, mid nineties. He's working on his secondary pitches. Those have started to come around a little bit better. I mean, he's used, uh, from what I've seen, he's used his breaking ball a little bit more than his fastball lately. And plus, he's starting to get a lot more swings and misses. He's not really giving up the hard hit balls lately. So I think uh, I think Josh is someone who's only been in the system for about a year. I think, uh, you know, he's already a top prospect. I mean, he came over in the, I think we talked about this in the past, Matt, where he came over in the uh, Tyler Thornburg trade where the, the Brewers got uh, Shaw and Dubon and uh, him. So it's uh, it's looking really good. That's looking like a really good trade, especially if uh, Pennington just continues to pan out. Yeah, and hopefully Tyler Thornburg gets things back going and gets healthy and has a great career and gives the Red Sox some quality innings moving forward, but it's really incredible when you look at what the what the Brewers got back in that trade. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's just part of it. I mean, you get uh, you you trade uh, a, a very good reliever who is excellent for the for the Timberellers back in 20, 2011, and he's really been helpful for the Brewers. Um, and you get uh, a major league guy, uh, you know, a top prospect, two top prospects, and that's been really huge for the Brewers. And it's great to see them make trades like that can that can turn out. Are the Brewers uh, right now being careful with pitchers? Maybe especially whether it's the young guys who have been drafted or the guys who uh, have been there all year. Are they? Is this the time of the year where maybe they're watching those pitch counts a little bit more? 
Well, they, they do watch those pitch counts all season long. They watch. Uh, they have innings limits on certain guys. I know that. Uh, I don't think anybody is really getting close to any innings limits right now. Um, you know, they they're not like um, the Angels are, are a team that uh, they just limit their starters to five innings and that's it. No matter how well they're pitching, uh, that starter comes out after five innings. So. Um, you know, if a guy's got his pitch count down and is in his sixth or seventh inning, they'll they'll send it back out there. I mean, you know, Thomas Jenkins uh, was uh, was like that a, a couple of times this season, where he's gone into the eighth inning. Um, they are being the one guy that they're really kind of being careful with is Brandon Webb, who had some arm issues uh, last year, and he's kind of been shut down a couple of times this year, building his way back up. Um, you know, Braden uh, Braden's really good and has had a nice uh, season. And they just want to keep him uh, healthy and being able to contribute because I, I think I don't know if I've, I've mentioned this before, but I, I talk about it all the time on, on my own podcast with Kyle uh, Loebner and, and talk about it on the air a lot too because it's not about it's not about dominating and throwing complete games and no hitters and and throwing 200 innings at eight ball you know in the Midwest League. It's about having a long major league career. And being able to contribute to the Milwaukee Brewers and helping them eventually, hopefully, win a uh, you know a World Series championship. So, it, it, while it would be great to see guys just go out and throw nine innings every time, um, that's that's not what's best for the kids or for the organization. This will probably be the last time we talk before the uh, end of the regular season for the Timber Rattlers. We recorded this on Sunday night. It'll drop late, late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Timber Rattlers have one more home game against uh, Quad Cities Monday the 21st. Uh, that's a day game. They'll play a three-game home series against Peoria Tuesday through Thursday of the week, and then their final home series starts on Wednesday the 30th. It's a three-gamer against uh, Beloit. Chris, in these uh, final, what, seven home games, uh, what can folks expect if they make their way to Appleton. Well, uh, we've got the eclipse going on, on on Monday during the game, and we'll have some viewing stations set up. Uh, we actually are going to have a Keston here a trading card uh, coming up on Wednesday. So, first thousand fans in get that. Uh, uh, we'll get a chance to get that collectible, and that game time is at seven oh five. Got the bang for your buck nights on uh, the the two Wednesdays in there, and then we are home for our final fireworks display on the. First of September, on that uh, on that uh, Friday night. Plus, the Mario Feliciano bobblehead is going to be on the thirty first of August. So, lots of opportunities to get out and enjoy the Timber Rattlers and pick up some neat collectibles and, and check out some future brewers. Awesome, and we uh, encourage people to check out TimberRattlers dot com. Chris, uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you again here in the next month or so, and we can maybe do a season uh, recap when that's all is done. But uh, best of luck the rest of the way, and thank you so much for uh, for your time during the course of the season. You bet, Matt. Thank you. Again. Thank you again for having me on. That was Chris Marin, and uh, that is just about the end of this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Uh, the Brewers continue the West Coast road trip as we do look ahead to what's coming up. Again, we record this on Sunday night, so we can tell you on Monday they start a three-game series against the Giants. 9-15 Central starts 
on Monday and Tuesday, the 21st and 22nd, in front of a uh, late afternoon game on Wednesday, the 23rd. By the way, uh, coverage uh, on those uh, 9:15 starts on 620 WTMJ going to be 8:40. And even though those games are that late, we will still bring you uh, Brewers extra innings following those games. Would love for you to be tuned in. I host the post game show, so once the network broadcast gets done with uh, for the road trip, it'll be Jeff Levering and uh, Lane Grindle as Bob Euchre's not on the trip. Uh, once they wrap up their portion, I take you for another hour or so. We take phone calls. We do all kinds of things. So uh, hopefully you're tuning in for that. If you're not local to the Milwaukee market and uh, maybe you uh, watch the games on uh, MLB.tv or you listen to the games on the Major League Baseball audio package uh, or you're just outside of uh, Milwaukee but you listen on a local Brewers radio affiliate, uh, if you want to listen to Brewers extra innings following the games, you can go to WTMJ.com and listen online. Once the network broadcast wraps up, the online streaming comes back live, and that's where I am. And would love for you to uh, join me, whether you're listening in Milwaukee or outside of the uh, the Milwaukee area, wherever it might be. So those three games against uh, the Giants, then an off day on Thursday the 24th, and then they'll play uh, three games against the Dodgers. The, the fact that they take two out of three against the Rockies really sets them up because when this road trip got started, you were thinking four, win- four wins you could live with. Man, you would love five wins. So now all of a sudden, they've taken two out of three from Colorado. I think the next thing to hope for is that they can take two out of three from the Giants. And if they take two out of three from the Giants, all of a sudden, you're, you're sitting with a four and two record going in that final series against the Dodgers. And all you got to do is steal one to have a winning road trip through Colorado, San Francisco, and the Dodgers. That'd be pretty darn good. That'd be really good. And uh, it'd be nice to see that to happen. I think that's the equation. If you, if you want to get a winning road trip, you already have the two against Colorado, get two more against San Francisco, one against L.A., and boom, you're back uh, in Milwaukee, set to take on the Cardinals there at the end of the month of August. All right, that is it for this edition of Brewers Externings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. A big thank you to our guest this week, uh, Jim Goulart from BrewerFan.net and also Chris Marion, the uh, very talented voice of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Thank you so much for being tuned in. Again, if you've got any comments, tweet at me at Matt Pauley Radio or drop me an email, matt.pauley at wtmj.com. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.